everybody, how you doing? Okay, great. A couple of you are doing well this morning. Everyone else, I'm sorry, we'll pray for you later on in the service. Um, it's so good to see all of you today. We're in our final part of our faithful series. I've loved this series, it's so good. If, if, if there's nothing else you take away from this series, it should be this, that in 2022, um, hot summer bod, good goal. Making, new, making more money, good goal. Uh, you know, more time with family, great goal. Um, but being faithful to Jesus should be our number one goal in 2022. Faithful to the scripture, faithful to Jesus, faithful to um, the role that God's given us to play, faithful to the mission of God, faithful to the purpose of God in our life is faithfulness in 2022. So as we come to the close of faithful today, um, I hope that you take that away, that in 2022, our church is gonna grow in faithfulness. Come on, somebody, right? I need you guys to talk back to me today, okay? I don't like, I don't like when I do church and you guys are all like, sitting there. That's, that's annoying. Lenny, Pastor Lenny just preached the last service and he said, yes, amen, when I said, you guys need to talk back to me, okay? Um, my dad used to say this thing all the time. He said, if you, if you talk back to the preacher, you will get a shorter sermon and a better sermon. And, and here's, here's what he always meant by that. It'll be shorter because I'll know that you got the point and I can move on, okay? If not, as a preacher, I'm like, let me try that again. Let me try that again. So if you just say amen, I'll shut up real quick, okay? Amen. amen. Um, and number two, number two, you get a better sermon because it's just, it's just more fun. First of all, you're actively listening, and then second of all, I'm kind of feeding off. Of, so, that's, so that's what we're gonna do today. You're gonna talk back to me, okay? Sounds good. Okay, we're on this final part. And next week, we start a brand new series called Hot Topics. It's a three-week series. It's going to be awesome. It's going to blow your mind. Um, I don't even know what we're preaching on next week because I have to wait for you guys to ask questions, okay? So um, you can go on my Instagram, Kyle Ashney. You can go on my Instagram, and you can ask on my Instagram story whatever question you want to ask. I can't promise we're going to cover it, but um, there's already a ton. There's some themes that are forming on there, okay? And it's going to get real interesting. Like, why must I cover that topic? So ask me something crazy, and it'll be really fun. Uh, three weeks, starts next week. This would be a great series to bring a friend to, by the way, because hot topics are interesting, right? They're, they they kind of have a hook to them. So um, people who have questions about the Bible or questions about what does the Bible say about this or that, hot topics would be a great time to bring your friends, okay? All right, so we're in this final part of Faithful, and I'm gonna read two verses to you today. They're called The Great commission, the great commission. I'm going to read these two verses to you. Uh, Mark 16, 15 says this, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. All right, this is Mark 16, 15. Let's read Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Go and make disciples of all the nations. We're gonna to talk today about the mission and being faithful to the mission. The subtitle today, if I had a subtitle, would be follow the instructions. Okay, follow the instructions, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God that it is living and that it is active. The Bible says it's sharper than any, any two-edged sword, that it can separate bone and marrow. In other words, it's precise, it's sharp, it's effective. It, is, it has the ability to pierce us. And so today, 
in a good way, in a surgical kind of a way. God, help us today to be transformed by your word. As we hear your word, let us not just be passive listeners, but let us be active, engaging with your word, believing your word, and doing your word. As James says, believe it and do it. Don't just hear the word, but be doers of the word. So help us today to grow in that way. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. What are we gonna do without Tom Brady? Come on, somebody. All right, I just, while I was praying, I was like, oh yeah, Tom Brady just, is he actually retiring or not? Like, okay. Retiring, okay, great. Okay, so um, follow the instructions, follow the instructions, follow the instructions. Have you ever had one of these situations where you have like an Ikea desk or something like that and you have an instruction book and you have to follow the instructions and you have to do things in a certain order and you get to the very end of putting the thing together and there's like two screws. And you're like, what did I miss here? Did you give me extra screws or are there just like, what is going on here, right? Um, I saw these pictures on Instagram or on social media of people who are not following instructions. (laughs) Do not stack, okay, let's go to another one. Give cyclists space. Great idea, but you are literally in their way with your sign right now. Okay, next one. Um, This guy did not follow instructions. Whoever installed this, do we have any contractors in the room? I love you and I hate you. I love you when you follow the instructions. I hate you when you get things wrong. Okay, next one. That that was our Richmond building, by the way. I'm just kidding. Um, um, This, follow the instructions. Okay, next one. Um, Okay. This guy said he wanted the picture on the thumb drive on the cake. And the person did a picture of the thumb drive on the cake. All right, next one. Okay, College of Architecture and Planning. Beautiful. Okay, next one. Uh, Okay, this guy. Anyone in here like, an Enneagram fan, you know the Enneagram, and, and you're, you know you're an Enneagram one. Anybody? If you're an Enneagram one and you see this, like your whole life is ruined. You're just like, why? Like you cannot, it, you, okay, if you don't know the Enneagram, you're an Enneagram one, it, you know you're an Enneagram one if like we have verses on the screen or lyrics on the screen and there's something misspelled and you can't worship anymore because there's something misspelled. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's an Enneagram one, and that person, okay, this one, this is great. Awesome. Okay, next one. Next one, next one. Okay, this is a kid who I think should get credit for following the instructions. Because there, because there are times where the instructions are just unclear. And this guy should get credit. I think this kid deserves an A. Don't you guys agree? This kid has followed the instructions. Okay, next one. Next one. This kid also has followed the instructions. Write the words in alphabetical order. So he has put apple in alphabetical order. (laughs) He has put pumpkin in alphabetical order. (laughs) He's put log. Fox apparently is in alphabetical order. This is following the instructions. Uh, follow the instructions. There's times where we follow the instructions and um, it, it doesn't really matter if you get it wrong, right? And then there's times where if you get it wrong, it has like some detrimental effect. Uh, my wife was telling me a story of when she was a kid 
she was learning in school about blindness and she was, her mind was blown that there were people who existed who couldn't see and she was like, what does that feel like? Like, what is that like? And so she, she told, told her mom one day, they were in a store and she said, I wanna know what it's like for these people who can't see. So she closed her eyes and she said, mom, can you kind of like guide me through the store? I wanna see what this feels like. And her mom was like, yeah, I'll do that. Like, sure, whatever. So they're going through the store and her mom forgets. And you know those big displays, like cans of peas piled up this high? She runs her right into one of those and it goes everywhere. And like, if you know my wife, like the embarrassment factor is like, oh my gosh, this is just, or there's another time where her, uh, there was, there was a, a school, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, uh, what's that? A school trip. What is that called? Field trip. Yeah. Talk back to me today. Okay. There's a field trip. And they went to a, they went to like a, uh, uh, airport. <laughs> you weren't going to get that one. Um, they went to an airport and her dad was a pilot of a little private plane. And so just for like fun, he was going to fly in to the airport and show all the kids the plane. And then he was going to fly out, but he was supposed to fly out with Kenzie at the end of the day. So she was going to get in the plane with him and then they were going to fly home. And it was going to be this cool moment, right? So all day long, she's telling her kindergarten class, my dad's a pilot. And they're like, no, he's not. And she's like, yes, he is. And when he gets to the airport today, he, I'm going to get in the plane with him and I'm going to fly home with him. And then it'll prove that my dad is a pilot, right? And so they go through the entire day and he flies in and he lands and he shows the kids a plane and they're like, oh, this is so cool. And at the end of the thing, he gets in the plane and flies off without Kenzie in the plane. This is a person who failed to follow instructions, right? When you, when you don't follow instructions, there can be moments that are not that big of a deal, and there can be moments that are pretty detrimental. When we fail to follow biblical instructions, like we get into situations where sometimes this is literally life or death, right? Life or death. And so when Jesus gives us instructions of what he wants us to do, here's what I want you to do. And then he tells us how to do it if we fail to follow those instructions, like this is life or death situation here. And this isn't just life or death situation for you, the person who's following the instructions. This can be life or death situation for somebody else. And so when Jesus gives us these instructions, when he gives us the great commission, he gives us an instruction list of what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. And when we fail to follow those instructions, there are literally friends whose lives are on the line, whose destiny is on the line, whose eternity is on the line. That coworker of yours that you sit next to every day that you've never told about Jesus, like their life is on the line if you fail to follow these instructions. It's not just about you, it's about other people as well. This week, I was in bed and my wife was like asleep, I guess, and there's this blanket and it keeps us really hot. So I was, I was throwing the blanket off and the, like just throwing the blanket off and it woke her up, but it only woke her up like half awake. And she started yelling at me, think about other people. <laughs> and then the next morning she was like, did I yell at you last night? And I'm like, yeah, you said, think about other people. And she, we were laughing so hard. You got to think about other people sometimes when we have these instructions that God has given us, it's not just about you. It's about your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. It's about the, the, the friend. You know, a lot of times we look at the world and we talk about how big, bad, and ugly the world is, and we kind of think about it as us and them. 
but we forget that such were some of you before you met Jesus. And so a lot of times we look at the world and we're like, the big bad world, it's so awful. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? So like that, that unsaved friend of yours is someone who needs to meet Jesus. That, that person in the media who you cannot stand because they have a, a, an agenda that seems anti-God, you know what, they need Jesus, right? So it's not just about me and how this makes me feel, but like there's life on the line. Life and death is on the line if we don't follow these instructions properly. So here's what I'm gonna do today, okay? I'm gonna take the Great Commission and I'm gonna make this stupid simple for everybody, okay? Like, literally, I'm not even talking about any other verses today except for these two verses. I'm not mentioning any um, church fathers today, okay? I'm not talking about Augustine or Aquinas or Chesterton. This is gonna be stupid simple, okay? We're gonna, go, we're gonna go through this and we're gonna ask ourselves some basic questions. Who, what, when, where, why, all this stuff, okay? Are you guys with, are you with me? Are you on board? Okay, great. Let's read, let's read these verses and let's ask the first question today, and that is what, okay, what? What does Jesus want me to do? Let's read these two verses, okay? What? And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, what are we supposed to do? I've circled it for you, okay? Go, go. I yell this at my children about 17 times a day. Like, we're supposed to be getting in the car and Story's just standing there. And I'm like, go! <laughs> we're supposed to be getting out of the car to go in the house and she's just standing there. And I'm like, go! Right? What does God want us to do? He wants us to go. Now, here's a problem in church. A lot of times church has, has been built around come. It's been built around, like, come into the church, come here. Like, we just need people to get into the building. And don't get me wrong. There's a component of church that there is a come and a go. There is a attend and there is a go into all the world. So that's fine. But a church that is built only around attending church on Sunday morning is a church that is missing the instructions. <laughs> um, I... I, I there was this whole movement years ago um, called a bunch of different things, seeker-sensitive, the attractional church model, all this different stuff. And the premise of that was that Sunday morning needed to shift into a place that um, unbelievers love to attend church on Sunday morning. They love to come to church on Sunday morning. They Listen, I believe that Sunday morning should be a place where anybody feels welcome and accepted Everybody can come hear about Jesus and receive Jesus, right? We're not gonna make you show a, a card at the door. Have you been baptized or have you not been baptized? You're, you're welcome in or you're not welcome in, right? We're not gonna do any of that stuff. But that's not what Sunday morning is for. Sunday morning is not for the one day a week where we make disciples. Sunday morning is the place where we come together as a body, we receive instruction and direction. And the Bible says we're equipped to do the work of the ministry, right? We're built up. Sunday morning is primarily actually 
for the family of God to come together and share a meal together that we call the Lord's Supper, right? And hear scripture and learn and grow. But we got six other days of the week that we are told to go. What are we supposed to do? Go. Move. Do something. Have you ever seen those memes of the guy poking the thing and he's like, do something, right? Do something. Go, go, go. God doesn't want an inactive church. God doesn't want a me, 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 me church. God wants a church that is moving. God wants a church that is reaching. God wants a church that is going. Okay, everyone follow me there. Go. All right, here's the next question that we're going to ask ourselves today. And I don't know what it is, so he's got to put it on the screen. Where? Okay. Go where? Let's, let's look at the scripture and let's see here. Where are we going? Jesus said to them, go into all the world, the whole creation, all nations. Okay, into all the world, the whole creation, all nations. Where is the church called to go? Everywhere. The whole world. All creation, at all times, like in every place, in every crevice of the earth, in every situation, like in all the world. Now, let me answer this question for you here today. Into all the world can be both very local and it can be very far away. There's, there's people who love missions and they just love missions. And when they hear into all the world, they immediately start thinking of foreign countries that like have not been reached and they start, and you know what? That's a call of God on their life to take the gospel into that place. There are other people, when you hear about into all the world, you start to go, you know what? When I go into my business on Sunday morning, I mean, on, on Monday morning, I've been really quiet about Jesus. Now, I know that my work is not allowing me to say this or that, but man, I can be an example and I can make friendships and I can invite people to church, and I can, so like, all the world, we tend to think of the extremes, of like, way over here, this country you've never been to before, or we tend to think of just the, the, the local thing right here. The Bible, you know what it says? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. When the Bible says to go into all the world, it's not talking about just some foreign country over here. It's and it's not just talking about your business over here. It's saying, church, I want you guys to literally go into every crevice of the earth. I want you to go into every nook and cranny. I want you to go into culture. I want you to go into business. I want you to go into countries. I want you to go into continents. And I want you to go. I, I want you to go into these places. Now, you might be sitting here today and you're like, I got a great job. I got a great family. I don't know. There's a couple things we can do as a church to help go into all the world. You know, when you give, when you give to our, our church, we give to missions, right? We give to foreign missions around the world. When you give, money goes towards that kind of stuff. When you support a missionary organization, you can help be a part of that. But never neglect your personal duty to go into all the world. What is your world? Like, what is your space that you occupy? And are you going into that space with Jesus? My, uh, my daughter story, Scout is two and a half and she, al she already follows instructions. She's like really good at it. And she follows instructions for stories sometimes. 
So she'll like go get things that I told Story to go get, and she'll go, here you go, Story. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are literally perfect child, right? <laughs> and Story is more like me, okay? So Story doesn't follow instructions super great all the time, and she, she's a brilliant kid, like literally genius. She's so brilliant. The other day she was counting to like a thousand in Chinese, and I'm like, where'd you learn that? She's so, so, so smart. Um, but when you give her basic things to do, so the other day she came in the house and I said, I said, Story, when you get in the house, I want you to take your coat and your shoes off and I want you to put them in the laundry room because where do you usually put them? And she's like, I usually just take them off at the front door and just leave them there. I said, you need to put them in the laundry room. So I go around the corner like five minutes later and literally the arm, like the, the arm of the coat is barely touching <laughs> the laundry room and her shoes are still in the kitchen. And I said, Story, did you put this where I asked you to put this? And she said, it's in the laundry room. And like, technically, she was right. But she knows what I mean when I say the laundry room. There is a closet. Our shoes go here. Our coat goes here. She knows what I mean. Sometimes when we follow Jesus, we have this attitude of like, I'll kind of dip my toe into all the world. I'll kind of like barely bring the gospel, kind of barely into the world that I'm supposed to occupy. But, but that's not being faithful to the instructions. Go into all the world. Like, what part of your world are you not bringing Jesus into? What part of the world as a church can we be better about bringing Jesus into? I, I don't want to live in a church. I don't want to be a part of a church that it's only Sunday morning. I want to I be a part of a church that's expand and contract. I want to be a part of a church that comes together, builds each other up, encourages each other, prophesies over each other, prays for each other, stands with each other, believes for each other, builds one another up, serves one another, but then there's six other days of the week where we're going into all the world. Okay, we're going to ask another question here today. Another question. Why? Why? Go into all the world. Why? Why are we doing this? Let's read this right here. And he says this, um, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Like, why are we going into all the world? Because he wants us to proclaim the gospel. Matthew 28, make disciples. Okay, this is really basic. Is everyone okay, though, with this? Okay. Why does God want us to go? You know, I've seen people over the years say, well, God just has me here to be an example to these unbelievers, I've, 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 he I've heard people say that. But then if you watch them, they act like them, talk like them, do everything that they do, right? So like, um, so people are like, well, God just has me in this situation to be a light to these people. But if you look at their life, it's every bit as dark as the people that they're talking to. God wants us to go, but he wants us to go with a purpose, he doesn't want us just to go and make friends of all the nations. He doesn't want us to just go and connect with all the nations. He doesn't want us to just go into all of our world and be likable. And maybe if people look at my life and they just like me, maybe that'll be a good influence on them. He literally says, proclaim the gospel. Make disciples. You know, we live in an influencer world influencer world where you got Instagram influencers and you got all these people now who are making money literally just off of their 
name and off of their brand, and if they post something online, people want to follow. God's not looking for just influencers to just kind of like be, you know, kind of be likable to people. God wants us to actually proclaim the gospel. There, I will quote one church father. Okay, so I lied a little bit. But there's a guy who says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I love that quote, but it's almost always necessary to use words. What he's trying to say here is live your life in such a way that people can see the gospel. And I totally agree with that. But you cannot expect someone to become a believer if you literally never open your mouth and proclaim the gospel. Now, a lot of people are like, well, what does that look like? I'm gonna walk into work tomorrow and kick the door open and say, welcome everyone. May I have your attention, please? Jesus, <laughs> right, is that what it's gonna look like? No, but it might, it might look like a conversation you have with somebody about, hey, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my story. They're telling you about where they are in their life and you tell them a little about, about where you've been in your life. Tell them a little bit and, and start opening up the conversation of let me tell you what changed my life. Literally, there are stories after stories after stories of people who attend this church who had drug addictions and literally, like the day they were baptized, something changed and shifted off of their life. Why would I be sitting next to a friend who's going through a problem and keep my mouth quiet about the solution that saved my life? Right? Proclaim the gospel. Why are we going? We're proclaiming the gospel. I think a lot of times people lose sight of why we're going. We're gonna go and we're just gonna, I, I have to say this, okay, this, this might step on some toes here. There's, there's this whole movement of like, if we just go do good social things, then we're doing the right thing. Yeah, Jesus says, if you give a cup of water in my name. So there's this whole movement now that the church needs to be more of like a social activism kind of thing that we just go into all the world and we just dig wells for countries that need them and we just do all those things. Yes, with the gospel. You cannot separate those things. So some people want the church to just march for justice and some people want the church to just, you know, we need to do these things, we need to do this. Listen, I want an active church too. I want a church that's digging wells. I want a church that's making a difference. I want a church, but never divorcing it from the name of Jesus. Never divorcing it from who God is in the gospel of Jesus. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and they were talking about water, he makes a distinction between earthly water that quenches thirst for a period of time and spiritual water, which is the life of God, that literally you will never be thirsty again if you, if you meet this Jesus. And so we can, we can go meet practical needs, and we're called to meet practical needs. Don't misunderstand me. But we have to be disciple makers. We have to be gospel proclaimers. We have to go into all the world and, 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 and preach the gospel to all of creation. Now, I have to do this because here's what I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to say that someone who's next to you at work who can't pay their, their light bill, right, or can't do this or that, that you shouldn't give, give them money to take care of. No, we need a generous church, a giving church, a church that helps, a church that serves, a church that blesses. But what I'm, all I'm trying to say here is we can't forget that the fundamental reason is that we're called to make disciples. We're called to lead people to the gospel.
I don't want to just build a gathering of people who just, oh, we all just kind of like each other and we're just kind of a community. No, I want to build a gathering of disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. All right, you guys are being quiet. You promised you were going to talk back to me. And now you're being quiet. Okay, let's go to the next one. Why? How? Okay, how do we make disciples? Guess what? Jesus gives us Ikea instructions on how to make a disciple in the verse. Okay, let's read it. Let's read it. How do we make disciples? Matthew 28. Proclaim the gospel. Matthew 28. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. How do we make a disciple? Dunk them and teach them. Dunk them and teach them. Maybe not in that order, okay? But how do we make a disciple? We teach them the word of God and we baptize them. I think there's this thing that we feel like we're gonna make a disciple if we trick people with Jesus. We gotta trick them. We gotta trick them. We gotta gotta do, (laughs) we gotta do an Easter egg bash where they come in and they think we're just doing a fun thing for their family, but then we kind of sneak in a little bit of Jesus. Just gotta sneak it in a little bit. Or there's, there's this thing of like, Sunday mornings is gonna become a little bit more about motivational speaking. Dream again, believe again, trust again, right? But we're kinda gonna put Jesus a little, like we're gonna kinda sneak him in. Is everyone tracking with me? We're gonna kind of, we're gonna, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get a crowd and then we're gonna give them Jesus' light. We're gonna tell them about the love of God, but we're not gonna tell them the rest of the story. We're gonna tell them about the grace of God, but we're not gonna tell them what the grace of God actually saved them from. And so a lot of times what we do is we actually are making people more comfortable on their way to hell. <laughs> We're making people more comfortable on their way to hell because what we're trying to do is we're saying, you just keep doing all that stuff, but Jesus loves you. He loves you as much as you love you. You're obsessed with you and he's obsessed with you too. And so what we do is we bring people into a, a, I hope this is not too hard, okay? I hope this is not too harsh. I hope this is not... Um, You only understand the love of Jesus when you properly understand what we all deserve. You only understand the love of Jesus when you understand what he saved me from and what he saved me for. And I'm not talking about getting up here every week and bashing people over the head about whatever, but but what I'm saying is like, you cannot expect someone to become a disciple of Jesus if you're not teaching them the words of Jesus. People think that Old Testament God was harsh and that New Testament Jesus is much nicer. He's much harsher. Old Testament God says, okay, same guy, but okay. Old Testament God says, do not kill. And Jesus says, if you even hate your brother, you've already killed him. Old Testament God says, um, hey, don't commit adultery. And New Testament Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Now you tell me which one of those is a harsher standard. Jesus is, is, he's ferocious. I I preached this a while ago, but he's both the lion and the lamb. He's not one or the other. He is a holy, righteous God, and he's full of grace and mercy. And so we preach a Jesus, we only preach half of the Jesus, half Jesus, right? And, uh, And a lot of times what ends up happening is when you only preach half the story, you run your way into a heresy, 
You have, Jesus is full of paradox and contradiction, and, and I don't mean contradiction like his nature is, is, is different. What I mean is you and I are pretty, there's a, there's a thing in storytelling called a one-note character, and a one-note character is, is a character who only does one gag over and over and over. They're the funny guy, or they're this, or they're that. Jesus is not a one-note character. He's full of righteousness, full of holiness, he's ferocious, and he's full of love and grace and compassion. And when we teach the Bible, we actually teach people life. My words are truth, my words are life, right? When we teach the Bible, we're actually, so there's this whole thing of like we can make disciples just by like sneaking people in the room and then kind of giving them a little bit of scripture and then just making them feel comfortable with church. No, like a disciple of Jesus. I wanna tell you a story of a man called a rich young ruler and he goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. That's a disciple. Now that man walked away sad. He didn't actually follow Jesus. But a true disciple is one who says, I, I'm, not, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm selling everything I have and I'm giving it to Jesus. I don't mean literally you go sell your house and give it to, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you know you've become a disciple of Jesus when your priorities have shifted. And, and I, I don't think we can build church in a way where we are building around you and your, your preferences and your comfort and your, I don't care if you're comfortable in our church. In fact, if you're comfortable, you're probably like, that's, I'm not doing my job if you're comfortable. Because the word convicts and it, and it challenges and it, and it calls and it rubs us the wrong way. There were so many times where Jesus said stuff and people left because they were like, what? What is that? Why did he say that, right? We can't make disciples without teaching and baptizing. How do we make a disciple? Teaching and baptizing. Well, Kyle, I don't understand. Isn't that the church's job? Yes, you are the church. You are the church. So, well, Kyle, can, am I allowed to baptize? I would love for you to baptize. You bring me someone that you brought to Jesus and you'll stand next to Edder next time we baptize and you will baptize them. I love that, right? Like, I, teaching and baptizing. This is not a call for the select few. This is the great commission that Jesus gives every Christian. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them and baptizing them teaching them and baptizing them. How do we make disciples? We have to teach and we have to baptize. We have to do both. Now, uh, I, I, I can't hit this point hard enough. God is calling us to make followers of Jesus. He's not calling us to grow a social club. He's not calling us to um, grow a motivational speaking business. He's not calling us. Now, if you're a motivational speaker, God bless you. Like, that's great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's not what church is supposed to be. Church is not, um, I, I put this on my Instagram a couple days ago, but church is not meant to be life coaching a group of self-improvers. Uh, you know, self that's not why we're here. We're not just all trying to like, just, I, just want to be be- I just want to be a better person. I'm just at church because I just want to be a better person. No, like, I love Jesus. I love his words. I love, I love what he's done in my life. I love who he is, and I want to be like him. Like, that's what we're called to make. Is everyone tracking with me? I keep saying this because you guys aren't talking back to me. And it would be shorter if you would talk back to me. All right, here's another question. Here's another question. When? When do we do this? Okay? 
Let's answer the question right here. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus makes a command. Then he says, and I'm going to be with you as you do it, always, even to the end of the age. So when is this supposed to happen? Always. Even to the end of the age. So you and I, are, as Christians, are called to make disciples, teaching and baptizing. We're called to lead people to Jesus. We're called to proclaim the gospel when? Now. Not tomorrow. Not, I, this is a word that I, that I fuss at story with all the time. Now. Now. Anybody got kids in here? How many times do you say that word in a day? No. Now. You know, when I was a kid, some parents counted one, two, three, right? Do this. One, two, three. My dad was like, do this. And I, if I didn't do it, pow! <laughs> you didn't count like that dad does. That dad hates his child. I love my child. <laughs> and I'm going to teach you to be obedient now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Have you heard that one? I heard that one growing up. I got to use that one on story. That one will be good. <laughs> Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God says, go into all the world and make disciples, when do we do it? Always, even to the end of the age. You do it right now. You don't do it three weeks from now. You don't do it when you've cleaned your life up enough. Come on, let me tell somebody in this room who just became a Christian. You are actually in the best phase of your life to lead people to Jesus. Let me tell you, because you think when I get all cleaned up, I'll be a better, I'll be, yes, I'll be. No, uh uh-uh. Right now, this is when you're going to lead like an entire city to Jesus. When you are radically, like you have been radically saved. I love when the, in, in the Bible, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, it says that she went back home to her city and told everyone she knew, come and see the man who told me everything about my life. Everyone she knew. Hey, when do you do this? Do you do this after you've taken a couple courses about how to be a good Christian? You do this after you've sat in 17 services, and then you can do it. No, now, now, lead people to Jesus. Go into your crevice of the earth, of the world, and and put a flag in the ground. This belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the New Testament Joshua. Joshua is a foreshadowing of Jesus in some ways. And the Bible says everywhere you put your foot will be yours, right? When you walk into your work tomorrow, tomorrow, like wherever you go now, have the mindset, this is the Lord's today. Not tomorrow, not when I feel like it. Today, I'm gonna proclaim the gospel and I'm gonna make disciples of all the nations. Okay, here's another question. Who? Let's read this right here. Go and make disciples. I, surely I, am with you always. We have to remember like why we're doing this and who we're doing this for and who we're doing this with. I'm not making disciples because it will be a good growth strategy for church. I'm not making disciples because of me or because of like your personal gain or my personal gain. I'm making disciples because of my love for Jesus. And I'm making disciples because he, like, he's with me. He's, he's formed, like, having, having that kind of a mindset as a church, that we're doing, everything we do is because of Jesus. 
Everything we do is for Jesus. All glory to Jesus, all praise to Jesus, all honor to Jesus, that he would get all the glory, that he would get all the praise. Who? Jesus. So what? Go. Get off your butt and go do something, right? Um, uh, Where? Into every part of the world. Like, go into, if you have a passion for foreign missions, go do something about it. Like, go do it. If you have a passion for local missions, like, whatever, like, go do it. And even if you don't even, like, connect with the word missions, tomorrow when you go to work, go into your world and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. So, what? Go? Uh, Where? Into all the world? when we're going to do it right now, right? And, and what are we going to do? We're going to make disciples. We're going to proclaim Jesus. How are we going to do it? We're going to teach and we're going to baptize. Well, Kyle, I'm not really a Bible teacher. You know more than the person you're sitting next to. And if, you know, if you're one lesson ahead of the person you're next to, they'll keep coming to you because you know a little bit more than they do, right? And so you come, get built up, get encouraged at church. But man, this is not the work of the ministry, This is equipping the believers to do the work of the ministry, as Ephesians says. So the work of the ministry doesn't begin today on Sunday morning. The work of the ministry begins when you go and you tell people about Jesus. There's two companies. There's Walmart and there's Amazon, okay? Walmart was the thing for a long time. I lived in Germany for three years when I was a kid, and every time we would visit America, Walmart was like, Yeah, Walmart. I can buy stuff super cheap. There's a toy aisle calling my name. My Nana will buy me whatever I want, right? Like Walmart, so cool. I remember we were living in Germany. We came to America and Star Wars episode one was out in uh, Phantom Menace. And I saw it and I was like, this is so cool. I love this. And in Germany, there was nothing, there was nothing, no store situation like this. I was like, this is so cool. I want a lightsaber. And my uncle, that moment, left his house, drove to Walmart, got an $8 lightsaber, brought it home and said, here you go. Here's, here's a lightsaber. And I was, my mind was blown that you could get a lightsaber that quick in America because of Walmart. Walmart, that's so cool. And I was running around with this lightsaber, swinging it everywhere, hitting my uncle in the face and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, Walmart. Walmart has been choked out. It's a dying thing. It's on a decline. Why? Because Walmart's mentality is we're going to put up a big box and we're going to wait until people come to us. Amazon comes along and they say, we are also going to put up a big box. But that big box exists for the workers to gather the the items and then go take them to the customer. So the difference is Walmart is a big box waiting for customers to come to us. Amazon is a fulfillment center going and taking things to the customer. We've got to make a shift in church. That's been a 20 year shift, I believe. I think church, if I can just make cultural commentary, I think church for seven, for for 20 years has made a shift towards this mentality that Sunday morning is where we're gonna catch all the fish. We're gonna wait till they swim into our net and then we're gonna catch them. But that's that's, that's not right. We're actually called to be more like an Amazon where when you're here, you're getting, you're getting the goods to take to customers. When you're here, you're, you're, 
You know, you're, build, you're, you're talking to your fellow coworker. You're talking, about, you're talking about, hey, when you do this, how does that work for you? Or when you deliver, now if there's anyone who works for Amazon here, this is probably a horrible analogy because I, I, hear, I hear Amazon's like a tough company to work for. But we gotta make a shift. This box right here is not a box to hopefully, oh, we're gonna catch them, we're gonna catch an unbeliever. We're gonna catch them. We're gonna get them in. We're gonna put a little bit of cheese in here and then they're gonna sneak their way in and then we're gonna, bah, we got you, ha ha. That's a Walmart mentality, it's not gonna work. This box right here is where we come together, get the goods, take them to the people, go and make disciples. Come in here so we can disciple you. No, go get them, go after them, go get them, go and make disciples. There's a shift that's so, I feel it's so heavy on my heart that our church has to become a place where when we're here, we're family. Come on, somebody. What is that? That's an that's a Olive Garden or something? When you're here, you're family? <laughs> we're gonna be an Olive Garden. When you're here, we're family. We're building each other up. We're encouraging each other. We're getting the goods. We're getting the packages. We're getting the word. We're getting... We're getting built up, we're getting, we're, we're getting inspired, we're getting ready for the week, we're receiving the grace and the goodness of God. But there are six other days of the week where we're throwing out packages, where we're delivering, where we're hustling, where we're working. If you want to be a part of a church where you just attend one day a week and check the box, this is not going to be the place for you. If you wanna be a part of a church that just says, it's just, I'm just okay just receiving, this is not gonna be the place for you. There are other churches where you can go do that. Our church is going to be a church that has a burning fire in us to deliver the good news of Jesus to a broken and dying world. Let me go one step further. Let me go one step further. I grew up in a time where I watched pastors start to back off on the word of God a little bit when confronted with tough cultural questions. And they did it because, well, I don't wanna be perceived as unloving. Well, who defines what loving is? Like, I'm a Christian, I believe that love is defined by who God is. God doesn't withhold the truth from me. He speaks it plainly. And so I've, I've seen this shift where like church where pastors have tried, well, I just want to, and, and okay, sorry, I have to quote, I have to quote a guy, okay? <laughs> Peter Kraft, he's not a church father, he's still alive, okay? But Peter Kraft says that a fully formed Christian must be somebody who has a cool, hard head and a soft, warm heart. And the problem in our country and the problem in our nation is that the church has decapitated the cool, hard head from the soft, warm heart. So we have people who either are really loving in the way they live, but they are squishy with the word of God. Or we have people who are really tough and hard with the word of God, and they have no heart towards people whatsoever. And we're gonna be a church that loves, that's passionate, that cares, but we love people enough that we're not gonna shrink back from what the word of God says. We're not gonna shrink back from who, like what scripture says. So next week when we talk about hot topics and all of you guys are asking me some really tough questions, I'm not gonna come in here and give you a light version of what those answers are. I'm gonna tell you what the Bible actually says. Yeah. 
right? We're gonna love people and we're gonna love them enough to teach them and disciple them, to teach them and to baptize them because that's gonna be what's gonna change their life. Okay, I think this is a good place to stop. Amazon, Olive Garden, whichever one you wanna call us, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you that you made these instructions stupid, simple for us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And you are with us always, even to the end of the age. God, that passage, help our church to be a go kind of a church. That Sunday morning is a fulfillment center. We're coming together, we're getting the goods, we're getting the packages, we're building each other up, we're encouraging one another. But, se- but the other six days of the week, man, we are dishing it out. We're telling people about Jesus. We're serving people. We're loving people. We're leading people to Jesus. God, that is your heartbeat. That is your heartbeat. Help us to embody that. Help us to live that. Help us to become that church more and more every single day. God, I believe that that kind of a church is a church that can shake the city of Richmond. I believe that that kind of a church is a church that will have massive impact. I believe that that kind of a church is a church that when we all stand before Jesus one day and we look eye to eye with Jesus, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Look, not only did you give your life to me, but look at all these people that you brought into. Look at all these people that you led to Jesus. Look at all these people. Let us be that kind of a church with a heart and a passion for God and for people. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen.